Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 119. If you're here in the room this morning and not listening to this online or CD, you've got a handout in front of you, and that handout shows you that I got 22 points. And so you're wondering if the fried chicken and sweet tea is going to hold out, you know? Uh, we might be here a while. I'm going to try to look at the clock, and if I can't get through all 22, I'll just get through what I can, okay? Or I'll skip some, but... Um, as I was thinking about Psalm 122, or excuse me, Psalm 119, 22 verses, I was thinking, I don't know any other preacher who's done this, and that is go through this entire psalm on a Sunday morning, and I don't think a lot of them are, would ever try it because they don't have such a wonderful congregation that, like you guys, that uh, you have an aptitude for this, you can handle it, and uh, so I'm going to take you through this this morning. Why? Here's the reason why. I, I read, well, one of the reasons why. I, I read uh, LifeWay Research recently. Uh, they did a survey. They came out with the conclusion last September, so it's only a few months old, 2017 survey on Bible reading. And the statistics they had on Bible reading or people reading Bibles started with the fact that 9 of 10 American households have Bibles. I thought, that's... That might be skewed a little bit because 9 of 10 have this, this, this hard copy. But everybody else, if you've got a phone, you've got a Bible. I mean, it's a free app. Uh, so I said 9 of 10 possess this. Maybe 10 of 10, really, if they want it, they can have it easy. It's, it's, it's not an expense thing anymore. It's not you have to go somewhere. You've, you can get it in any translation, any version, right on your phone. Uh, so everybody basically has a Bible, or most Americans do, but 53% said on the survey that they've never read any portion of it beyond a couple verses or a couple stories. 53%. So they have it in their possession, but they're not reading it. So it led to another question is, well, do you not see any benefit from reading this Precious book you have the possession of. And 5% says there's no benefit at all. 19% said, I don't know that uh, there's a benefit. Might be an interesting book. So about 24% then are saying, might be interesting, but not sure I would get anything out of it if I were to read it. Well, Psalm 119 has 22 benefits. God answers the question himself. There's a lot you can get out of reading the Bible. Um, a lot of people might not think that there's much there, but there's a lot there. 9%, it said in the survey, only 9% of Americans have ever read all the way through the Bible, or they say they've read through the Bible. Some people say it and they lie, but uh, they need to read the part about lying, I guess. Um, but only 9%. So if somebody says to you, because I've had a lot of people say, you know, I'll ask, have you read the Bible? Oh yeah, I've read the Bible. If somebody says to you they've read the Bible, follow that up a little bit because they might be fudging on that. According to the survey, when nobody's looking, only 9% are saying they've read all the way through the Bible, know what it really has to say. Does, is that bothersome? It's bothersome to me. Um, let me give you a couple passages. I read Psalm 1 as we began the service. Psalm 1 makes it terribly bothersome. Let me give you a couple from John. John chapter 8. This is one that convicted me early on that I needed to be in God's Word. 
In John 8, Jesus uh, begins by... Um, uh, verse 31, saying he, he, was, he was talking to the Jews who believed in him. So he's not talking to complacent folks. John eight thirty one. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. So I know you said you have faith, but if you really have faith, you continue in my word. And if you're not continuing in my word, you're not really a disciple. So this is a distinguishing mark, not of people who say they're Christians, but of people who really are Christians. Jesus was making a distinction between the two, and he made the Bible that distinguishing mark. Um, Look over at John uh, 10. Here's the parable of the good shepherd. And he makes this just very practical statement in the middle of it. Uh, Jesus, uh, let's see, verse 2 says, He who enters the door is a shepherd. He's speaking of himself, of the sheep. Verse 3, to him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. That's the phrase I want you to think about. And he goes on in that parable talking about uh, when the shepherd speaks, the sheep hear his voice. Other animals don't hear his voice. They follow their shepherd. And when you get the analogy he's making here is Christians hear me speak. And I speak to my family through the Bible. He says, if you're not hearing me, if you're not in the word, you're just not family. So it's, 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 it's a family characteristic uh, that Christ himself puts out there. That's why it's bothersome to me to, for somebody to, to say, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, what you've been reading in the Bible, well, you know, I really haven't ever read the Bible. Really? God has sent you a, a letter. You know, you got a letter from heaven, and you plan to go to heaven, and he's going to say, I sent you a, a message, and you're going to say, yeah, but I never, I never read that. Really? You would get a special message from God and never read it? He, might, he must not be somebody you're interested in. That's what Jesus is saying. So it's very bothersome to me for people to say, you know, they have the Bible, but they just, they're not really interested in reading it. Don't think they're going to get a lot of benefit out of it. Well, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. You can look, 176 verses. It's right in the middle of the Bible, almost, depending on how many notes you got to back. Right in the middle of the Bible, and it's the longest chapter of the Bible. If you're the author, you're not. God is. If, if you're the author and you're going to make the longest, you know, one chapter longer than the rest, what's going to be the subject of that? What's, what deserves more attention than the rest? Well, the subject of Psalm 119 is the Bible. It's the Word of God. Almost every single verse has some reference to the Bible, calling it the Word or the Scriptures or the law, the truth of God sent to us. It's just over and over and over. And not only is the theme real clear, it's 176 verses broken into 22 auctionaries. Now, you probably don't use the word auctionary often, but so I'll tell you what it is. An, auction, an auctionary excuse me, is a eight-verse section. So, this psalm is broken, in, broken down into 22 eight-verse 
sections or eight verse paragraphs on Oxenary. And every one of those um, eight verses, those sections, begins with a Hebrew uh, alphabet letter, starting with the first alphabet letter all the way to the last. There's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Now, why am I, t- and you can look at, if you have a Bible, you'll see the Hebrew uh, alphabet letters and the English um, uh, transliteration beside it. You see, like for just before verse 1, Aleph, just before verse 9, Beth, just before verse 17, Gimel. Those are the Hebrew alphabet. So you can learn Hebrew this morning. But what, is it, what does all that tell you? That tells you that this psalm is, the, the author of it is extremely intentional. When he, when he sat down to write it, he had to have an outline. I want 22 sections. I want every one of the sections, the first word, to begin with the Hebrew alphabet. My people will jump on it. This is a new section. This is a new letter of the alphabet. I want every section to just, you know, ooze with the Word of God. Very intentional. When you have something that with that much thought, it's, you know, this should just bring us, I need to listen to this. So it's a very important passage in the Bible, very intentionally written for us. We can get stuff out of it. Um, One more story before I I get into each of the verses. Uh, Philip Henry, you know, how many of us know Philip Henry? Never heard of Philip Henry, right? I have heard of a Matthew Henry, you know. Most people who, who study the Bible and they, they come to me after they've gotten saved and they, and they say, you know, I've been reading my Bible and I need some help understanding parts of it. Can you give me a book that helps me? Usually I've sent people, go get Matthew Henry's one-volume commentary. He's written a commentary on the entire Bible, one volume. You have an explanation for just about everything. Now stop and think, what enables somebody to be so smart they can write a commentary on everything in the Bible. That's what Matthew Henry has done, and there are very few people that ever are on that level. Matthew Henry had a dad named Philip, Philip Henry. And Philip told his children, he said, I have a wonderful plan for your life. Here it is. This is what I want you to do for me as your dad. I want you to take one verse of Psalm 119, just one verse, And I want you to read it, and I want you to meditate on it all throughout the day, that one verse every day of your life. So just one verse of Psalm 119, if you will meditate on that verse throughout the day, you will have a different verse, you know, there's 176 verses, it'll take you a year to go through it twice, it'll be fresh verse, and his, he, he was convinced, Philip Henry was convinced, if I can get my kids into one verse a day and meditating on it, and especially Psalm 119, because Psalm 119 is always about the Bible. If I can get them in love with Psalm 119, I can get them in love with the rest of the Scriptures. And he was convinced that if I got them in love with the rest of the Scriptures, they would have every grace they ever needed in life. His... his quote was, all grace grows as love for the Word of God grows. Think about that. As you're training kids, do you want your kids to grow in grace? All grace grows as love for the Word of God 
grows. Well, Philip Henry made that challenge to his kids. Matthew Henry took it up. And he started reading Psalm 119, just one verse a day, meditating on it throughout his life. By the time he was 30 years old, he'd been through the Bible 30 times. And he had been meditating on it, and he loved it. And so he got to the place where he could, he could start writing about all of the scriptures. And he read it, I think, another 30 times before he, he said he really wanted to, uh, no, that was another guy, uh, start writing commentaries. But, you know, I thought, as I, as I read that story about Philip Henry, I said, maybe I've been going about this wrong. I've been wanting everybody in, in my family, the New Covenant family, to be reading their Bibles. Maybe I just need you to be reading Psalm 119. It's definitely a reachable goal. You can do one verse a day. It's easy. It takes less than 30 seconds. And then just try to think about it. And after you've been through it a few times, you can think about it and remember it and get through it. And you're going to find God give you a great love for his word through it. Well, let's see what Psalm 119 is about. I've tried to give a just a benefit out of each of the eight um, out of each of the 22 sections, eight verses each. So I'm going to throw that out at you, and I, I'm going to try to show you how I got it. But it took some time to meditate on each of these sections and say, well, what's it saying here about God's Word? The first benefit that you get, God's Word completes us, verses 1 through 8. How blessed are those whose way is blameless. You'll have a marginal note by the word blameless. What does that marginal note say? It says, completes. It says integrity. How blessed are those whose way is complete. Do you want to go through life and be complete? Do you want to have it all? How blessed is those, are those whose way is complete? How do you get that completeness? Who, who walk in the law of the Lord. You get it by walking in God's way. You're going to get the other way naturally. You want a complete life. You get it by walking according to the law of the Lord. You know, if, if, if I were to visit New York, um, you might say, hey, I've just been to New York. Don't Make sure you don't go to New York without seeing uh, the Capitol building. Go over to Washington, D.C. and see that. You know, you're saying, my visit wouldn't be complete without this. Well, I'm saying, your life on earth will not be complete. If you don't, at some point... Follow the path of the Lord. How blessed is the person whose life on earth is complete. And that completeness requires time in the Word of God. Verse 2, how blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in his way. So you see this constant walking in the scriptures to complete us. Uh, it's hard to know what to skip. You have ordained your precepts that you should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then I shall not do be ashamed. When I look upon all your commandments, I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart. When I learn your righteous judgments, I shall keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. Uh, it ends with this, this sense, I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm going um, to be blessed by keeping God's word. It's going to make me complete. Verses 9 through 16, second benefit. Not only is the word complete us, it cleanses us. It cleanses us. Verse 9, how can a man keep his way pure or clean? By keeping it according to your word. 
So with all my heart I sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I've treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. So if you want to turn from sin, you, anybody struggling with sin here? We all are. How does a person keep their way clean? You get in the Word of God and let the Word of God be a tool that cleanses you. And it's constantly convicting us of the things we need to get rid of, things we need to uh, quit spending time with, or things we need to spend time on. Verse 12, Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all the ordinances of, of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. If you get into God's word, you start loving it. You start seeing how significant it is. And you start seeing it direct you away from sin. It cleanses you. It's, it's just this constant spending time with God. Um, you know, uh, I'll tell you what will not cleanse you. You know, spending time on the internet, probably not going to cleanse you. Sports, probably not going to cleanse you. Uh, Instagram, uh, not going to cleanse you. Snapchat, not going to cleanse you. I mean, there's so many things we spend time with, right? The Word of God will cleanse you. It has that effect when you spend time with it. Uh, number three, God's Word counsels us. Verse 17, deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. I'm a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. Uh, verse 24, your testimonies also are my delight. They are my counselors. You know, we, we, we're walking as a stranger on earth. We didn't create it. We don't really know where we're going sometimes. God's word gives us that direction. It counsels us. It tells us the right way to go. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've been driving many times, and while I'm driving, somebody says, wake up! Apparently, they're seeing my eyes get it kind of droopy, you know? I'm thinking, I, I got this, you know? But they're screaming in the same way. I mean, we go through life, and we need somebody to, to shake us a little bit. Wake up! Look where you're going, man! And that's what the Word of God does. He says, we're walking through this earth, and the Word gives us counsel. It wakes us up to exactly what we need to do. Verse 25, uh, the Word of God revives our strength. Uh, verse 25, my soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to your Word. I have told of my ways, and you have answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, so I will meditate on your wonders. My soul weeps because of grief. Strengthen me. Do you, do you ever feel like your soul has dust on it? Do you ever feel like your spiritual vitality is drained? That's what he's talking about. He says, God's word revives. It strengthens our souls, our hearts. It, it gives us new life. Uh, we need that. There's plenty of times where we, we, we feel like we're just... Ah, oh, ho-hum, and, and, and we need some strength. God's Word is going to provide that. Uh, number five, God's Word revives our sanctification. Verse 33, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall observe it to the end. Give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with all my heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. 
Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to dishonest gain. Turn away my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me in your word, in your ways. Establish your word to your servant uh, as that which produces reverence for you. Let me stop and back up. Verse 37, hey, that's a great one to memorize, right? But nobody's got it down. Turn away my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me in your ways. You know, we, we have become, in our generation, everyone here, we have become what I call a swipe generation. I don't not see anybody that's not swiping. You're, you're swiping your phone, you're swiping your iPad, you're swiping your computer some way. And think about all the things we do with that. You know, we're, we're looking at blogs, we're looking at uh, internet sites, we're looking at pornography, we're looking at Snapchat, we're looking at Instagram, we're looking at Pinterest. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And verse 37, it says, turn my eyes away from looking at vanity. After you've spent a few hours doing this, do you ever come to the conclusion like I do, that was worthless. I just spent an hour in vain. God, turn my eyes away from vanity. I, I could have spent that hour so much more productively. And not only did I not produce anything, it drained me. Now I need revival. Now I need to be strengthened. I encourage you to think about the benefits. If I had just that one verse down, maybe I would not be walking in such vanity, but I would have such a greater passion and reverence for God. So God's Word revives our sanctification. We get off track every day. God's Word gets us back on track, becoming like God, holy and pure and righteous in Him. Number six, God's Word revives our salvation. Beginning in verse 41, may your loving kindness also come to me, O Lord. Your salvation According to your word. Nobody's saved apart from the Bible. Give me that word again is what he's saying. I, I need that revival in my salvation. Like the first time I heard it. Verse 42. So I will have an answer for him who reproaches me. For I trust in your word. And do not take the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. Because I need it. Um, I, need, I, need to, I need to taste the Bible again. You ever feel like I need, I need to taste it. And he goes on. Talked even beyond that. Verse 47, I shall delight in your commandments, which I love. I need to feel them. I need to have that passion again. Verse 48, and I shall lift up my hands to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. It's revives, revive our salvation. Get us back, O oh Lord, to that time when I, when I felt so in love with you. I could taste your word. I could feel your word. I knew you were in my heart. I lift my hands in praise to you with no shame. Where does that come from? He says, give me the word for that. It comes from the Bible. So if you ever feel like, yeah, man, your salvation is just kind of growing a little cold, Again, the benefit of the Word of God is to, is to fix that. Uh, number seven, God's Word uh, comforts us in pain. Verse 49. By the way, am I going fast enough for you? I'm trying to keep going here. Uh, thanks for staying with me. I want us to get through it. Verse 49, God's Word comforts us in pain. Remember the Word to your servant in which you have made me hope. 
So he's in a place where he's, he's lacking a hope. says, give me that word that gives me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your word has revived me. The arrogant utterly derived me, d- me, yet I do not turn aside from your law. I have remembered your ordinance from of old, O Lord, and comfort myself. I mean, let me just put it to you this way. Have you ever been in that situation where you're sick, you're feeling bad, and somebody, and it can be a spiritual sickness or a physical sickness, somebody comes and they say, it's all right, it's all right, it's all right, I'm here, it's all right, it's all right. That's what he's, he said, that's what the Word of God does. The, the Word of God comforts us in pain. It just comes along and says, it's okay, it's okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you through this. He says, evil people don't do that. He says, but your Word does. It comforts me in my affliction." He said, I want to remember it because it just, it just helps me when I'm feeling really bad. Verse 54, your statutes are my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. Uh, verse 56, this has become mine. I love it when you can get so intimate with a passage of Scripture. You can say, mine. I now, I've got this. And he says, the statutes... They're statues that have really, I possess them. And they really revive me and strengthen me and comfort me in my pain. Number eight, God's word calms from panic. Anybody ever get anxious, panicky? Verse 57, the Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. I have sought your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your word. I considered my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I hastened and did not delay to keep your commandments. The cords of the wicked have encircled me, but I have not forgotten your law. In other words, he gives us this, this illustration. I feel like I'm trapped. I feel like I'm trapped. The, the people have encircled me. Everybody around me is a non-Christian, and, it's, and they scare me. They bother me, and I feel trapped. But your, your law, your words, what lifts me out of the panic. It, 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 it removes the anxiety. It helps me know it's, it's, it's going to be okay. He, it comforts me in that panic. Uh, forgetting God's law, you, you, you forget the companion you have in God and, and in His Word. All right, where am I? Uh, number nine, God's Word corrects us through our problems. Verse 65, you've Dealt, you have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good discernment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. It's always great, let me just stop, it's always great when you're in affliction to ask, you know, why the affliction? And it's always great to pray, Lord, I hate this pain, this affliction, this trial I'm going through. But I realize you're sovereign and you've designed all of these things, so don't let this affliction leave me until I get what I'm supposed to get. I want to be able to say that every pain, every joy, everything God sends my way, that I've gotten the benefit from it. And that's what he's saying here. I want to be able to say it was good for me that I was afflicted. Because I realize I have a sovereign God who uses afflictions for my good. And when you get there, you, you get a benefit. And the law of God is what gives you that benefit. You, he starts directing you. So maybe your trial, maybe your sickness, your illness, whatever, is for this reason. And you say, wow, that's cool. That even in affliction, God is 
teaching me and correcting me and training me. Uh, and uh, as a result of that, I'm, you know, just growing, becoming better and better. So um, that's what that section's about. Um, verse 73, God's Word equips us for ministry. Um, who made you? Why are you here? Uh, how did you get here? Verse 73 answers. Equips us for ministry. Your hands, speaking of God, your hands made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments and may those who fear you see me and be glad. What's he saying? He says, I realize I am not an accident. I have significance. I was placed on this earth. I was fashioned by the very hand of God. And I was fashioned for ministry. And because God has brought me here and fashioned me to do something, when the people who see me that I'm supposed to minister to, may they, may they be glad. Hey, here comes the man or the woman that God has fashioned to help me. So I want that experience. I want that experience of understanding I have been equipped by God. And God's Word constantly equips us for that. Uh, stays with that theme, verse 79. May those who fear you turn to me, even those who know your testimonies. I want to minister. I've been placed here and fashioned by you for ministry. Let me do that. Verse 81, God's word encourages us for ministry. Verse 81, my soul languishes for your salvation. I wait for your word. My eyes fail with longing for your word while I say, when will your comfort, when will you comfort me? Though I have become like a wineskin in the smoke. I've never heard anybody say that. How do you feel today? Like wine skin in the smoke. You know, that's, that's an old phrase that's gone away because we bottle our wine. We don't do the wine skin thing anymore. But back in the old day where you, you were making your own wine, you put it in a skin, you, you would hang it from the rafters, hang it somewhere, the wine skin. Usually it's near the fireplace and that changes the flavor of the wine. If the wine's poured out of the wine skin, then the wine skin kind of, either way, whether it's in there or not, it's going to start drying and shriveling up, which is why you never put new wine in old wineskins because they're, they've been dried and shriveled and they're going to bust now with new wine. But do you ever feel dried and shriveled up? Do you ever feel like wineskins in the smoke and you need just a little encouragement? So that's what God's Word does. It comes along and encourages you it's, it, so that you can keep going uh, and uh, keep doing the ministry God wants us to do. Verse 89, God's Word establishes us for ministry. Forever, O Lord, your Word is settled in heaven. You're, if you get God's Word, you're, you have that settledness. God's Word is perfect. It's a law that it's, it's unchanging. Um, your faithfulness continues throughout all generations. You establish the earth and it stands. They stand this day according to your ordinances. For all things are your servants. If your law had not been my delight, then I would have perished in my affliction. In other words, he's saying, the earth stands and I stand too. And the reason for that stability is God. It's because we the earth and us together are on the law of God, which is immovable. It's unchangeable. So it, it, it establishes us 
And just knowing that keeps us from such a wishy-washiness that goes on. Verse 97, uh, God's Word educates us for ministry. God's Word educates us. Verse 97, Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, because I have observed your precepts. Uh, Verse 102, you yourself have taught me. Now, think, he gave us three categories of, for emphasis there. He says, God, your word educates me. You teach me stuff my enemies don't know. Matter of fact, you teach me stuff my teachers don't know. Matter of fact, you teach me stuff old, wise sages don't know. Why in the world did we take the Bible out of school? I still think it ought to be a primary textbook. It makes you wiser than your enemies, wiser than your teachers, and wiser than old men and women. To not have the Word of God into the educational fabric of our kids is just foolish. If we actually want them to be wise. God's Word is is. It's, it's, it's the source of wisdom. Christ is the fountain of all knowledge and understanding. And he's given us so much in the word that we ignore and do away with. So I encourage you to get back into the word of God and see how the word of God educates for ministry. All right, verse 105. I've got to turn my page here. Uh, God's word confirms our movements. God's Word confirms our movements. Uh, Your Word, O Lord, is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. I have sworn, and I will confirm it, that I will keep your righteous ordinances. I am exceedingly afflicted. Revive me, O Lord, according to your Word. I mean, as I think through that whole section, I just think, do you ever need some sort of uh, light, some sort of uh, confirmation have you ever been walking through the woods where there's no uh, moonlight and starlight? Extremely dark. I remember once we were in Hilton Head. It was, it was no stars out, no moon out. And we were down there at the Salty Dog on bikes. And we had to get back to our condo. And the lights were out. And if you've ever been in Hilton Head, you know, they got all these overhanging trees. They don't have light posts anywhere. All I could think about was alligators. I mean, I'm... I'm you got to ride that bike, Bob, I don't know, hundreds of alligators in the dark. Please, somebody turn on the lights. You know, God's Word does that. It turns on the light for life to, to give us sense, to give us wisdom, to give us direction, to show us how to get out of the dark. So much of this world is darkness, and we need light. God's Word uh, not only educate, but it confirms our movements. That this is the sure way to go. Do you ever wonder what's God's will? You get in God's law and you just become convinced this is the right way to go. It enlightens you. God constantly makes our path clear. Um, next section, beginning at verse one thirteen. God's word cautions our manner. Verse one thirteen. I hate those who are double minded, but I love your law. Do you ever hate somebody? 
somebody really get to you? That's where the psalmist is. He says, I hate those people. They said they like me, now they don't like me. I hate double-minded folks. He's, he's, he's to this place fierce. When you get to that place, you need, need to hold it back. Restraint is in order. Verse 14, you are my hiding place, my shield. I will wait for your word. Depart from me, evildoers, that I may observe the commandments. It's verse 117, uphold me that I may be safe, that I may have regard for your statutes continually. It's like, hold me back, God. Don't let me, in this moment of hatred, do the wrong thing. I need some restraint. I need to be cautioned. I need to be pulled back. And God's Word gives us that balance. And we get there every day where we need some caution. Sixteenth benefit, beginning at verse 121, God's Word clarifies our morals. Verse 121, I have done justice and righteousness. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Be surety for your servant for good. Do not let the arrogant oppress me. My eyes fail with longing for your salvation and for your righteous word. Deal with your servant according to your loving kindness and teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. It's time for the Lord to act, for they've broken your law. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold. Yes, above fine gold. Therefore, I esteem right. All your precepts concerning everything, I hate every false way. Do you ever get in a situation where, you know, there's a lot of, like I said, non-Christians all around you. They say, hey, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. And you just hear it and you hear it and you hear it and you hear it. And at some point you say, well, I guess so, maybe so. And you think, God, why don't, why don't you speak to me? I need clarity. They're, they're, they're confusing me. Maybe this is right. Maybe it's not right. He said, the law makes it clear. I need to get back in the Bible. I get this benefit of clarity. When, when, it, when I'm tempted to, to fudge on the lines of morality, God's word will make it clear and bring it back. And I will, verse 28, I'll start cherishing the right, the precepts that come from God. Uh, beginning at one, verse 129, a new section. God's word creates a passion for obedience. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul observes them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. I opened my mouth wide and panted, for I longed for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me after your manner with those who love your name. Establish my footsteps in your word and do not let any iniquity have dominion over me. Redeem me from the oppression of man that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of water because they do not keep your law. Stop and think about that. You ever had a kid that cried? He said, my eyes stream water. That's crying. You ever had a kid cry because they were disobedient? Saying, I am so sorry. I messed up. That's what the Word of God does. The Word of God is so encourages obedience that you weep when you're disobedient. And you, you get on track to what is right. It, 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 it truly cautions our manner. It clarifies our morals. It creates this passion to obey God. 
18th benefit, a passion for truth, beginning at verse 137. Righteous are you, O Lord, and upright are your judgments. You've commanded your testimonies in righteousness and exceeding faithfulness. My zeal has consumed me because my adversaries have forgotten your words. Your word is very pure, therefore your servant loves it. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is truth. Uh, he has this passion for truth. Do you have that? You know, even Jesus, as he was standing before Pilate, says, I'm the way, the truth. Pilate says, what is truth? A lot of philosophers in college start with this question, what is truth? What do you know to tr be true? You got, the, you got the answer. God answers that question. Thy law, God's word, is true. It's pure. It's righteous. It's been tried. It's like silver refined seven times. It's without error. It's infallible. It's directly to you from heaven. Wow. We need to know that and embrace that. And getting into it creates that passion. You, as a sheep, begin to hear his voice and you realize everything he says is true. Every time. And it just creates a passion for more. It's like that snowball. You, you start doing this, spending time in God's Word, and it just grows on you and creates a passion for more. Nineteen uh, benefit. Uh, God's Word creates a passion for God, not just for His Word, but for Him Himself. Verse 145. I cried with all my heart, Answer me, O Lord. I will observe your statutes. I cried to you, save me, and I shall keep your testimonies. I rise up before dawn and cry for help. I wait for your words. Verse 149, hear my voice according to your loving kindness. Revive me, O Lord, according to your ordinances. Uh, he's just talking about, if, verse 147, if I get up before the sun gets up, and I'm crying out to God, and I'm waiting for his words, it creates a passion. Anybody who's getting up early to meet with God creates a passion. God meets with you. And you're saying, God, hear me. And God says, yeah, and hear me. And that dialogue begins early. Uh, it just it creates, I, God, I want more than your word. I want you. God says, great, let me meet with you. And that's the whole experience the psalmist um, is talking about. He gets there in verses 145 to 152. Uh, the 20th benefit, verse 153, says God's word rescues us from affliction. Remember earlier in the psalm, you got affliction for your benefit. But there's a time for the affliction to go. And God says, let me take that away from you now. He rescues us. Verse 153, look upon my affliction and rescue me. For I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me according to your word. Salvation is far from the wicked. Or that redemption, that release from affliction. For they do not seek your statutes. Great are your mercies, O Lord. Revive me according to your ordinances. You know, one thing I've seen all the way through the Bible, and you see it here in this section, is there's some spiritual connection between spending time with God, His word, being obedient, there's a spiritual connection between that and mercy. 
And he says, you know, God, as I am in your law, as I'm, I'm obeying your law, as I'm meditating upon your law, I'm looking for mercy for my afflictions, for my trials, for my pain. With the understanding that those, and he shares the contrast with the wicked, those who have this obedience and meditation and time in God's law, they get mercy when others don't. So that's what I mean. There's, you see this connection throughout the Bible, that God delights in extending mercy to those who are in his word. And he saw that. He says, God's word is going to rescue me. It's going to be a, a connection to his mercy and deliverance from the, the affliction. The 21st one, beginning at verse 161, God's word removes stumbling blocks. Boy, I like that. Have you ever stumbled badly? Have you ever believed the wrong stuff? Have you ever been taught stuff that you knew you thought was true and then you find out later it was an error? And so now that you've stumbled into error and you've gone down that path, now you've got to back up and do everything all over and rethink everything. There's lots of stumbling blocks. And God's word helps with this. Um, verse 161, princes persecute me without cause. Uh, verse 162, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great spoil. I hate and despise falsehood, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous ordinances. Those who love your law have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. So that means we also then have great pace. God's word can give you great peace and great pace by giving you the truth and keeping you from even a princess who says, this is the way, walk in this. I'm successful. And it's not. It's a stumbling path. Uh, God's word can make it plain and clear. And then the last benefit section that begins at verse 169. God's word provides a return back to God. It says, let me cry. Come let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your word. Um, for you teach me your statutes. Let my tongue sing of your words. I want to get back to you, God. Bring me back. Let me sing. Let me listen. Let me keep your commands. Verse 175, let my soul live that it may praise you. And let your ordinances help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. So God's word can be that, that brings us back. And there's times when we go astray. We're like sheep. All sheep go astray. We need to be brought back. Getting into God's word does that. Constantly brings us back to God and the direction he wants us to go. Well, I want you to get into the Bible. Why? I just gave you 22 benefits. Now, look at those benefits on that piece of paper. Which of those do you not need? You know, then I ask, which do you need least? It's hard to answer the question. You know, I think I need all of them. And I think I need all of them equally as much. Maybe right now I need this one more than that one. But when you start looking at the list, and I gave you just 22, you know, I could have almost given you a benefit out of each verse, 176. But I tried to stay to main concepts in each paragraph, one point per paragraph.
But you look at it, God's word completes me, cleanses me, counsels me, strengthens me, sanctifies me, saves me, comforts me, calms me, corrects me, equips me, encourages me, establishes me, educates me, confirms me, cautions me, clarifies my morals, creates a passion for obedience, passion for truth, passion for God, rescue from affliction, from stumbling blocks, and returns me back to God. I mean, do we not need that? Yes. Then get into the Bible. And it's not that hard. If, if you get the one-year Bible, it gives you a, a daily calendar. You just go by the day and just read it, and you get all the way through the Bible in a year. If you don't want to do it that way, use your Version app that's on your phone. Some of you are following the service on that app. There's, there's a bunch of plans for Bible reading on Version, And they'll even send you an email reminder, hey, this is what you need to read today. You can do the three-year plan. You can do a two-year plan. You can do the one-year plan. Do a plan that's getting you in the Bible, constantly getting you there. If you have a commute, say you got a 30-minute commute to Greenville and back every day, 30 minutes that way, 30 minutes back this way, that's an hour. Put in the CD at 30 minutes a day, uh, one way, that's an hour a day, five hours a week, you'll get all the way through the Bible in three months. I mean, just listening. But you can get all the way through the Bible in a year by reading 3.26 chapters a day. That's the one I use. I, I love doing this .26, you know. I am to the place, I didn't, I didn't start this when I got saved. I wish I had. I wish the person who shared the gospel with me said, now start reading your Bible. Because then I'd have a few more years in. But I didn't start this until I became a pastor. Saying if I'm going to preach the Bible, I ought to at least read the Bible. That made sense. So I started reading. I started preaching 37 years ago. I've gone through the Bible 37 times. I don't share that to say, whoa, it's impressive. And I, say, I share it to say, must be pretty easy. They can read that book 37 times. It really is. And the more you read it, the more you want to read it. And you just keep going through it and keep going through it because it's so exciting for me. I don't read it for knowledge. I don't read it to preach. I read it to love God. I read it to get with God. I love spending time with God. I love hearing His voice. I'm a sheep, and His sheep hear His voice. I love. Just out of Psalm 119, I read the verse this morning, uh, verse 118. It says, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things. I want to hear wonderful words. I want to hear the truth of God. And God gives me that through his Bible. You say, well, all of that's going to be real hard for me. That's not a reachable goal. I've never been able to succeed at anything that long, that far, whatever. Then do Psalm 119. Just one verse a day. Just one verse. And meditate upon that. And it gives you plenty of days to mess up because it's 176 Times two is not 365. You got some days to mix up, mess up. And you get all the way through twice in a year. And God will be getting you into his law and I think creating for you a passion beyond Psalm 119 for a lot more. Um, I just, I don't want any of you to get before Christ and he said, I sent you a letter and you didn't read it? Really? That's what he says to the Pharisees. You can read the book of Matthew, and he says that about six times to the Pharisees. They say, hey, what about the Sabbath? Hey, what about marriage? And Jesus, each time he says, 
I sent you the Bible. Did you not read it? The answer to your question is, is in the Bible. And the questions they were as, as, asking about Sabbath and marriage, that's in the first three chapters. Like You didn't even have to read far. And you could have answered your own question. So I know that matters to God because Jesus, when he had these religious folks asking questions, said, hey, do you not get that you're supposed to be reading your Bible? But that's important to me. And I took the time to write it just for you. Thank you for giving me this time to, to encourage you to get more out of life. Get 22 benefits from God's word this year. Let's pray together. Father, again, I am sincere when I say thank you for New Covenant family. I know a lot of preachers just wouldn't even attempt to read so much scripture in a service because they would get so many complaints of people saying they were so bored and got nothing out of it. But when you have a heart for God, when you have a heart for your word, it's a different story. Thank you for those who want to hear God speak. They didn't come to hear me. They came to hear you. Thank you for what you're saying to us in, in Psalm 119. Thank you for how you're growing us. Thank you for how you're changing us day after day. We need so much, and you provide so much through your word. Lord, for those who've not been saved, they can be saved by hearing the word of God. May they get into your word and start seeing their lives changed and be so, so much richer and fuller because of you. Lord, we ask that you would uh, you'd make us sharp. You'd make us the biblically literate folks that this world needs to have be set on a right course. Turn us from sin, from evil, from stumbling. Turn us to truth. Thy word is truth. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.